0: From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel, and this is the Times of India podcast. No matter where you are in the world, the wail of a newborn is among the sweetest of sounds. But among the Parsis especially, it's also a clarion call. The influential community has seen a precipitous decline in population from a little over 140,000 in 1941 to just 57,264 by 2011. The pandemic has dealt a further blow. The community magazine Parsiana reports at least 178 deaths among Parsis since March 2020. In a country where overpopulation is one of its biggest problems, the Parsis stand out for their dwindling numbers. But a community initiative launched along with the Ministry of Minority Affairs called Gio Parsi, is finally beginning to show results. In the lockdown, for instance, the birth of 61 babies has led to much delight and relief.
1: Today we have with us Dr. Shanaz Kama. She's a teacher at the Lady Sriram College uh, and also the Founder-Director of UNESCO Parzol Project. But here today, she'll be talking to us about uh, a project which is very close to her heart, uh, GeoParsi. She happens to be uh, the National Director of this project, which was started by the Ministry of Minority Affairs.
0: My colleague Ambika Pandit, who has been tracking the GeoParsi initiative, Ask Dr. Sharnas Kama about how this program to expand Parsi population came about.
2: When I was doing my oral traditions recordings across Gujarat, my photographic team, who are the Mata family of uh, Kashmir and Delhi, kept saying something is missing. When we reached the Deccan, we realized that what was missing in interior Gujarat, in all the deserted villages or the small towns, was children. There were no children there. And we only found old people. And a priest pointed out in Bharuj, a very senior priest, that I pray and I look around me, and all I see is who will I be praying for next. Uh, The UNESCO PARZO project was for the preservation and promotion of Parsi Zoroastrian culture and heritage, but we realized it had to become a demographic project. It was when UNESCO asked me in 1999, a very serious question that look, we always flag a concern. We are troubled that the world is going to lose a very important heritage of humanity, a Bronze Age civilization which is disappearing at a time of complete peace, at a time when you have prosperity. What is happening? At least record and document it for us before it dies out. And that gave me a jolt and it gave The Parsi is a jolt. It gave the government of India a jolt. It took a lot of jolts to get everybody going. I struggled to get funding. We got funding for the individual projects. And we realized very soon that the myth of the rich Parsi is a myth. In interior Gujarat, in Bombay, we had people who could not make their two ends meet. There are trusts which are living in a way, in a world which is long past, where they think 25 or 30 rupees is a good gift to give people. It started off as an ART scheme. We were very fortunate by the grace of God, but very soon what we were told by the ICMR and by the sociologists we were working with was that it would not work. 30% might be uh, results of ART and medical intervention, but 70% would be because of advocacy. So, it's followed two platforms, advocacy and medical intervention since then. As you mentioned about uh, the
1: assisted reproductive technology and IVF, could uh, you also tell us about the components that you added eventually, because it's now an umbrella scheme. So, what what does it
2: comprise? Uh, the ART scheme and ICSI, et cetera, were the medical interventions for people who cannot have children because of medical complications. And of course, these are also psychosociological issues because we marry very late. A woman's fertility starts declining at 25 and that's something which is quite scary because today most people don't get married till 30. Parsis think they're quite young if they marry at 40. So these are the sort of things we've had to deal with. Uh, We realized that it wasn't just enough to support the medical expenses, the emotional and the economic expenses on the rest of the family. We have a total fertility ratio of 0.88 which is under one. So for two married people, you have only 0.88, not even one child being reproduced, okay? We have 30% of our population over the age of 65, which is the highest in the world because it's an inverted demographic triangle. We have a tiny section of the young. We have a larger section of the young to middle-aged, the reproductive age. And then we have a 30% over 65. So the dependency ratio, I'm using demographic terms, but I'll explain it simply, that the dependency ratio is that I have actually seen in cases in Gujarat, one husband and wife looking after not only their own parents, but their unmarried aunts and uncles, a total amount of eight people having to be supported by two people. Now, those two people have to think that how will we manage to have more than one child? It's impossible. With the way we want to give education to our children, it's a a phenomenon all over the world. But all over the world, when you have the Swedish model of growth, which is what we have in a much more intense way, you have support for the elders. So it became a broad-based scheme of health, of the community, what we call the HOC. What we did was to try and incorporate childcare as well as care for the elders in your family. It's a small amount of money and we keep hearing complaints that 4,000 rupees per person doesn't even look after a week's medicine, but so far that is what it is. We are grateful to the government for this help because it is very difficult to manage when you have so many people dependent on you, and obviously you want the joy of children, that because of the tension of the economic factor, the emotional factor, and the sort of death wish which we seem to have as a community. UNESCO asked me right in the beginning, why do you all want to commit suicide? And I said, no, it's not that we want to commit suicide. We have a lot of issues. So the whole point is that we also had to start changing the mindset, which is what we've tried to do. We've tried to bring back the joy of family. And as a religion, Zoroastrianism celebrates the family. All our symbols are, are about family unity, are about nature, are about fecundity, fruitfulness, joy.
3: I fell in love with Neville when uh, I was only 17 years old. And uh, since then, we've been courting, so we courted for around seven to eight years. And then we got married when I was 25. Finally, after I got my law degree, we said, now let's get settled. So we got settled and... uh, then uh, we wanted a family after that. Of course, everybody wants a family. Maybe not everybody, but I really wanted a family. At that time, of course, we took it very slow and steady and nobody wants to rush as a new couple.
0: That's Mumbai based lawyer Husan Vadia, who had to wait nine years for the birth of their first child. Even as a little son, Zeus, born in February 2020, who's in the background, Husan shares the story of her journey to parenthood.
3: So, when I learned about Dio Parsi through the newspaper in around 2016 17, I enrolled with them and I started my journey there. I just One fine day decided, let me enroll and let's see where this takes me. So we enrolled, we went through the formalities, we completed the formalities, we got in touch with Pearl, who was very supportive right from the beginning. So GeoParsi gave us a financial stability and an emotional and mental stability also. When I was undergoing this treatment and I had already two failures, And when the third time I went for the same treatment, I did not wait for this to happen at all. I just went with the flow, went with the flow. It was a 12th day and I got a little anxious, you know. So I said, uh, Neville, let's do a, a home pregnancy test. I really can't wait for two more days now. So I went ahead and did that test and boom, it was negative. So I said, it's negative again, Neville, it's okay. I was ready for it. I, I I already had two failures. So I said, it's negative. Neville, uh, let me go for work. You know, let, let me move on with my life because I was at home for some time taking rest as usual. I went to work a 13th day, 14th day. It was a day of my blood test. And I went for work and Neville called me at around uh, 12 o'clock and said, has your report come? I said, I haven't gone for my test. He said, what? You haven't gone for your test? You better go now i said okay i'll finish my work and i'll go there's no hurry so then i went during my lunch time i went for my test i was you know so sure that it's a it's a failure again so i came back i was doing my work i was appearing in front of a judge when my phone beeped and i saw the lab notification when i saw that i was in front of the magistrate and uh, i was so anxious to open that yet so i Opened my phone in style a little under the table to see my report. And uh, I know that a certain figure is required to be there. And it was 8.41. Okay, 8.41 was worse than any figure that has come in my report till date. When I left the courtroom, the doctor called me. And the doctor said, hello. I said, hello, doctor. And I was so sure that she's going to say, just stop all your treatment and come back to me now. And she shouted on top of her voice and she said, congratulations. And I said, what? I said, my report is so bad. It's just 8.41. She said, please open it again. It's 8.41, not (laughs) 8.41. I was so ecstatic at that time. And she said, so have you taken your injection today? Because we have to keep taking injections in IVF. We have to. I said, no, I haven't come to the hospital. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I just didn't, didn't want to come today. <laughs> like, you better come now, okay? You're pregnant already.
0: Huzan and her husband Neville, reassured by financial and community support, would like to grow their family, they say.
3: We have our panchayat who, who you know, prioritizes younger couples in uh, getting housing So, we have everything. Just have children, increase our population and increase the Parsi population, of course. And uh, just go ahead with it. In fact, what I would like to tell people is, you know, people, when they see us, Huzan and me, when they see us, you know, giving our time and energy after our son all the time, people say like, oh my God, I don't want to have children right now. I want to go for a trip. I want to enjoy my life. But having a child, having a child is... Joy in itself.
1: You know, Meenal, when, I, when, I, when it first happened, I was really skeptical. You know, I was kind of looking at it as some kind of captive breeding program, which has uh, succeeded with some animals and not been so successful with with others, especially when you think of the vulture breeding program, which has not been a success. And that is, you know, quite... You know, the Parsi's are
0: really tight. That's Bachi Bachikarkarya, perhaps the most famous and certainly one of the most astute chroniclers of her community. She lays out here the reasons for the community's low fertility rate, including the Parsi man's extraordinarily tight bond with his mama.
1: And of course, uh, there have been various uh, measures, I mean, constant measures, such as, you know, trying to get, you know, young people together, at, at, at You know, everything becomes actually a fig leaf for a matrimonial site. You know, whether it's a youth program, whether it's a sports day, whether it's a picnic, whether it's a career initiative, everything, actually, the hidden agenda is get Parsi's married to each other, not to anybody else, which is, of course, another matter. And maybe we can touch on that. Though, of course, that is very much part of the problem that we've talked about. So why, why this fall? One is low fertility, which has been there right from the beginning. It's also got a lot to do with this, you know, very westernized community. And they seem to have become westernized in their genes as well, surprisingly. So it's really about, you know, low fertility caused by a certain high standard of living. So whereas other tribes die out because of exposure to civilization, I think the Parsis are dying out because of too much civilization. Parsis will not marry till they have a flat of their own. And as you well know, that in Bombay, it's a huge problem. Though, of course, the Parsis do have a lot of flats and they have been trying to use the giving out of flats as an incentive for marriage. If I may dare say it, Parsi men especially are really loath to divorce their mothers. You know, and there's just such mama, the boys. And I don't see <laughs> this in any other community other than, than the other community I know very well, which is the Bengalis, right? So, you know, there's this whole big issue that, you know, they just do not want to leave their mother's apron strings. And perhaps uh, sometimes it's much more for the peace of the family because they don't want to bring in another woman who will then have issues with the mother and the mother-in-law. It's a very sort of a dicey, strange, weird situation, but it is very, very much there.
0: And of course, the crux of the problem is that Parsis do not encourage marriage outside the community. I was coming to this favorite point of mine and
1: I didn't start with it because otherwise I wouldn't have got to any other point. And that is really this whole business that we... And this is something that, you know, Thinking people, you know, even older people as much have been really pushing for, but there seems to be this complete uh, dead end, this block, this mental block that seems to be there. And surprisingly, young people are now kind of falling into this ghetto much more because they do live in these bars, you know, these Parsi colonies where they get brainwashed, you know, and then they just do not look outwards and they refuse to accept the writing on the wall. And in today's age, how can you say that, you know, a woman's children cannot come into the fold, whereas the men's children can? Even, and we have tried so hard, Meenal, to do this. And whenever we've done this and said that, no, you cannot have this, uh, this discrimination, then, the, you know, the high priests and the orthodoxy will, you know, come in and say, oh, in that case, we will stop the other pattern as well. So then you back off. And say, oh, my God, you know, at least let's whatever is happening happen. And I think, you know, the communities, therefore, in this real catch-22 situation, that if they don't marry outside, then they die out. If they do marry outside, then they start losing all their community traits. They're that amorphous thing called identity. I really don't know what this identity is, whether it's a long nose, whether it's a uh, It's uh, it's a a proclivity for dance up on Sundays. Of course, they will say good thoughts, good good words, good deeds. But it's presumptuous to think that no other community
0: believes in good thoughts, good words and good deeds. For Shaina's karma, the challenge lay in not just getting the women to think more deeply about balancing careers with family need. In the process, Shaina's even got called anti-feminist by some. But also, she had to design the program such that the men, often equally reluctant to begin families, would come on board. And for this, she got her fellow Parsi and one of advertising top bosses, Sam Balsara, on board.
2: And I think the very hard-hitting ads that Sam Balsara and Madison BMB made, which made us viral all over the world and got the New Yorker to carry a story on us besides BBC, CNN and everything, is how do you bring an educated community, primarily urban community back from the brink? We had to hit hard. We got a lot of flack for that. And we were called anti-feminist, et cetera, et cetera. It's your choice. We are there to offer you a choice. If you want to have a family, we are there to support you and help you. We are certainly not anti-feminist. I think it's as important for a woman to fulfill her biological needs as it is to fulfill her academic and emotional and intellectual needs. I would also like to ask about how difficult was it to get the men on board? The point of getting men on board was quite interesting because our target in our ads was not just the women, it was also the men. The men, I think, recognized and longed for family. They didn't want to say it, but when the ads said it for them, you can have a child and a dog. You can be a biker and enjoy having your child. You can go ahead and have a second child 10 years after your first. I think it was the men who were our great support. It was the men who took, who read the ads carefully, the men who took the first step, the men who called us, called our counsellors. And then, of course, whether, whether ART and all that comes in, It has to be both people being counseled by the doctors. But the interesting thing is, now I'm sharing this for the first time, many single men have come forward and said, the country allows single women to adopt. Why can't single men adopt? I want my own biological child. I want a child. Will you help me? And so far I've had to say, sorry, it has to be a married couple. But I do hope that in the future, Single women and single men can also fulfill their paternal and maternal feelings and have a family.
0: Bajikar Karya, whose funny bone is much longer than the rest of us, says she was tickled by the GeoParsi campaign and how, for the often self-deprecating community, it was pitch perfect.
1: And Sam Balsara, who runs Madison, who apart from doing things like... Uh, like uh, running the bjp uh, program does nicer things like doing this whole this whole campaign pro bono Mm. he did it Mm. pro bono so that's really hats off to him and it was a charming charming sophisticated kind of uh, uh, campaign which appealed you know to parsis in many ways and they were kind of a mixture of touching warning but most important funny and I think uh, self-deprecation, which I think is, I will admit, you know, one of the most charming and rare traits that the Parsis had—this ability to laugh at themselves. Because if you look at Parsi plays, they're all about you know pulling our own legs.
0: But even the humor cannot belie the grim problems of loneliness and lopsided longevity that beset the community. It is in the backdrop of these that Shernaz Kama's work and the community communitarian initiative need to be understood, says Bachikar
1: For this community, longevity is a curse, because they do not live a healthy life to the end. And if you just go to a place like Parsi General Hospital, you know, you'll realize, you know, how sad and how very, you know, heartbreaking this sort of uh, situation is. Especially because, you know, very often they don't have anyone, they haven't had children they maybe outlive, sometimes outlive their children. And they're always saying, you know, you know, God, why don't you pull me off? And very often you will go to a Parsi General Hospital and you'll find a young man, you know, being taken out feet first and the trusty old fellow who's coming out on a wheelchair demanding his bottle of rub, you know. So it, it, it's, a, it's a strange community with a strange and unique set of problems. And Shaina's karma, who was responsible for this whole program, has been you know keeping up with her. The relationship has gone way beyond just you know uh, giving them the money and facilitating. The IVF, in the sense that she loves the fact that these parents send her pictures all the time. In fact, she's got them, you know, on her phone, and it's you know they just sort of not only show them when the baby is born, but all the milestones. Like we have a situ a, a thing where um, when the child takes its first steps, it's called Paglarva, where you know you uh you know you put a, a larva a laddu, on each of the steps that the child has taken. When there's a one. A little before that, when the child begins to sit up, so, you know, the now. So they keep sending these pictures. And then I heard a lovely story from her, is that, you know, a one woman in Nafsari, who she helped facilitate to have a baby, she sent her this Parsi uh, tea time uh, biscuit called Bhakra as a thank you gift. And it was really very nice. So then Shaina's connected her to the, an American group, Parsi group. And then they joined her online cooking classes. So she even helped her to set up these online cooking classes. And now she's become tech savvy. She's become an entrepreneur and she's, and her classes are very, very successful. It is certainly, you know, because it's a small community. I mean, I don't know about other communities, but I do know about this, that there's a really, really strong drive for community building. Because, you know, it is, it's an existential problem now, you know, and it's really now or never. And, uh, you know, otherwise you, you know, become 30,000 and you become a tribe.
0: Today's episode was produced by Joshua Thomas and Jairad Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+, Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.